And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation that I'm hoping helps your business grow. Now, look, we've all started businesses. We've all done a number of things. But one thing that I have found that many, many startup founders are not great at is telling their own story, giving a pitch, or creating hype. Now, if you know me, you know I love hype. So I want to talk about that very subject today. So in order to do so, I have brought in an expert. Now, before I get into who that is, if you run a startup, you need to try Gusto Payroll. You can deposit paychecks, file payroll taxes automatically, plus get employee health insurance, onboarding, expert HR, and more. Best part, you get three free months when you go to gusto.com forward slash startup hustle. Once again, that's gusto.com forward slash startup hustle. As promised, I've got a guest today, the startup hype man himself. With me today is Rajiv Nathan, the founder of Startup Hype Man. You can find more information about at startuphypeman.com. There is a link in the show notes straight out of Chicago, Illinois. Rajiv, what is up? Welcome to Startup Hustle. Thanks for having me. Good to be here and good to get some hustle and grind, as they say. Yeah, I like it. And thanks for bearing with the technical problems that we waded through on the way to uh, the fourth ever restart of a startup hustle episode out of 500. That's a pretty good, that's a pretty good percentage though. I, hey, I, I, I made it in the top 10 then in that case. Yeah. Yeah. It's about a top 1% actually. So <laughs> yeah, feeling pretty, feeling pretty good about that. Now, you know, as mentioned, creating hype is something that, well, it, there's a science to it. There's, it really starts with storytelling and a whole lot of other stuff, all of which I believe we'll get into. But before we get too far into this, how about a little bit about your, your backstory and what makes you the startup hype man? Yeah. I think to know me is to kind of just know like what I care about and what I believe in. And I feel like the reason I was put on this earth was to bring more expression into the universe, uh, both by doing expressive things myself, but also then, you know, helping others express themselves better. And I think the way we do that is through different forms of storytelling, whatever that story might look like. So that's kind of fueled all my professional work and all my passions. Um, you know, I might be the startup hype man today, but you know, before I was ever doing startup stuff, I was you know, like in college, I was hosting a sports radio talk show and announcing our college basketball games on air. Uh, I grew up obsessed with and many would still argue I still am obsessed with professional wrestling, which is just this never ending. And you can even see my background here, right? I've got this championship belt. I got this WrestleMania sign down here, right? This WrestleMania collector's cup is there too. So 
uh, and, right, a me, and a copy of Hamilton, the book. Right. So, right. These are all like the different ways. It, like, it, just, it all I makes sense. Story. It all, yeah. it all goes well together. Right. You, you can understand me by literally just looking at my, my video background, which actually bodes poorly for anyone who's listening to the audio version of this, but nevertheless, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's all about, it's all about story at the end of the day. Um, and, and I just, I think the more we can emphasize how we communicate with each other, the better our businesses will be. I think the better personal relationships you'll have as well. I think the better our political landscape would be, all those different things, if we just emphasize communication better. Yeah, you know, I was once at a presentation with the president of Cerner. And, uh, you know, for those of you that aren't a, a know who Cerner is, it's one of the largest medical software providers in the world. And he started his presentation by literally saying, all great entrepreneurs are excellent storytellers. And I mean, he had me at that moment because I, I, well, I've always felt that way. I like to be a storyteller. Having written three books, that's something I find important to me as well. So I think, you know, where we can or could start is why is telling this, why is storytelling so important when it comes to being an entrepreneur? The consistent thing, whether you are just getting started, whether you've gotten your first round of capital or whether you are, let's say, like a Series C company, the consistent thing across all those different stages is your success hinges on your ability to communicate. You can have a really banging product, but if you suck at communicating that product, no one's going to care and no one's going to listen. And I think one of the biggest challenges, I'm sure you've seen this, Matt, particularly as companies are just getting started, is they will want to talk for 5, 10, 20, 30 minutes about the amazing features that their product has. Uh, but people you know, don't buy features, man. They don't buy they features. Don't. I can't tell you the number of like landing pages I've seen that explain the concept or the product in the context of like how they would talk to like their like their developer about it or it's like the usability of the app comes through an easy touchscreen interface and it's just like who would ever talk to someone in that in that way where you go to someone and say hey use my app because the usability of this app is generated through this touchscreen interface so the better we can communicate i mean the best way to communicate is through storytelling and the better we tell stories the more we don't just, you know, do the early stage things like raise capital and get the first, you know, couple customers, but then as your company grows and scales, you emerge as a category leader where you can then dictate the rules for your market instead of being beholden to the rules of a competitor. So you hit a real hot point for me and those that are regular listeners on Startup Hustle, first off, thank you. But they've heard me all say, people don't buy features, they buy benefits. People want to know what the features do for them. Honestly, no one really gives a shit about the features. Um, and I always, you know, share a story about shopping for a camera at Best Buy. And there's this, you know, basically kid, at least compared to me, uh, trying to sell me this camera. He's going down this features list and he's on like number 12 and finally i just stopped i said will this take professional quality pictures of my kids on christmas and he said yes i said all right sold yeah that's all i needed to know that's really all i cared about was the benefit of all those features and i and still to this day and i'm on my third professional camera now i still don't know what all that crap is because i don't care 
I don't. Well, and, now some now some people do. Half of listeners do care, and those are. But I'm not an introverted, uh, analytic type. I care about the bottom line, like I said. And so now, now knowing that though, and that people have different different personality styles and they hear things differently, how do we begin to shape our startup stories and our hype in a way that is universally received? Well, to use that Best Buy example, and I think a lot of startups can relate to this, what if that Best Buy associate had started by just asking you, hey, what do you want to use a camera for? Right? What, what's the main reason you want to take photos? And you probably would have said family portraits or something to that extent, to which he then could, he or she could have then asked something like, Okay, uh, do you think these are going to be more like staged indoor photos or do you want more like candid shots of your family? And you would have had an answer like that. And then he could have easily explained to you, well, this camera is really great for Christmas portraits that you can send to grandma and grandpa. And then you would have been like, okay, great. I'm interested. Tell me more about it now. Right. And so it's, it's reframing how you think and how you talk about the product itself. And ultimately, that's what your brand ends up being about is... What does the customer care about? And that shouldn't necessarily be any, I would assume a lot of your listeners that that bit of information is not new, you know, like the idea of what does your customer care about? But I think executing on it is really difficult for the reason that so many startups tend to ignore that advice and just talk through their own stuff anyways. So the, the fundamental thing I would say, at least as a starting point to be able to better embrace that concept is what I call think like an entertainer. And if you look at an entertainer, so Matt, who's your favorite music artist? Umphreys McGee. All right, Umphreys McGee. If you if you go to like an Umphreys McGee concert, let's say they're like selling out like Madison Square Garden, perhaps. What does not happen? They don't hit the stage being like, "All right, how's everyone doing tonight?" And you're like, "Yeah, great, we're awesome. Yeah, okay, great. Well, tonight, here's what we're gonna do." We're going to play every song we've ever had in our entire catalog over our 20 plus years of existence. Not just the ones that have been released, but the B-sides as well and the draft versions that we're still working on in our garage studio. It's going to take about like 29 hours to get through it all. Who's with me? Right. Even like the most diehard Humphreys McGee fan would be like, uh, what? That, that, crowd might, <laughs> that crowd might be into that. <laughs> but but that's sad. I mean, when you if you ever tell a jam band fan that they're going to get a 29 hour concert, they probably just take more mushrooms and, and, <laughs> up and really dig their heels into the lawn. But I mean, just realistically. But yeah, no, I I hear you. Uh, you know, it's so one of the things you, you were kind of alluding to this in the beginning. Well, thinking like an entertainer often means getting right to the point. Um, sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. And. I've spent some time talking about this recently. We're in this Gen Z culture. So as we brought in the podcast, I played a 17 second video, which is one of three promos for the upcoming Startup Hustle TV web series. Now, that's is literally like how we have to approach this. We have a 90 second version, a 60 second version and a 17 second version. And the 17 second version could actually be three seconds shorter because the last three seconds of it are just like coming in 2021. Now, is that what you're alluding to? Like getting right to the point real quick? Or are you saying like, 
like as an entertainer, like you said, most people, if they, if they uh, said we're going to have a 29 hour concert, they'd be like, what? Well, so the idea, that's a good point you, you bring up on getting to the point. What I'm going for more so on the think like an entertainer idea is the entertainer looks at and is concerned with one thing. How do I draw a reaction out of my audience? Right. Okay. How do I elicit an emotional response of some kind? So if you think about that band that's playing on a stage, they craft a set list where they say, what do we want to leave people like buzzing with when they're walking out of this arena? when they leave this, this room. And so they craft the set list around that one concept of how do we, like, what do we want them buzzing about when they leave? Which means they know that we're gonna have to cut some songs. We're gonna focus on these songs. Now there's still room for that, you know, if it's a rapper, there's still room for that random freestyle. If it's a, if it's a band, there's still room for that guitar solo, but within the context of a set list, right? It, the set list is the framework to create an emotion and then within that, there's room for improvisation along the way. So the idea of right. Think Like an Entertainer is see and speak from your audience's point of view, not your own. And I mean, to even simplify that, you know, they play the big hit as the encore. Yeah, that's the last song. And that's everyone's leaving. Oh, God, I, did, I didn't think they were going to play it. And then they did. And oh, yeah. man, that was freaking awesome. That's kind of how that goes when they're leaving. But yeah, and as you're talking, all right, so now let's let's move this over into the world of startups. And we're talking about creating hype and, and sending our message out and doing stuff like that. So one of the things that I spend a lot of time thinking about and focusing on, I call it fact shaping. And, you know, it, anytime you have facts and you have language, there's an infinite number of ways and uh, that you can say it or deliver it, which means that some ways have to be better than others. So some of the things when I talk about uh, delivering my message or creating hype, um, it's about, you know, how can you get this, this massive explosion, kind of like what you're talking about, in three words. And, you know, and I see a lot of people fail with this when they're trying to, to create promo or hype. They've got this 1080 by 1080 uh, Instagram image, and it's got like 60 words in it. <laughs> and they think they're being brief and it's really small font and whatever. And you scroll right past it, you know? And the thing is, is what can you do to deliver your message and create your hype in a way that's even shorter? Now go back to that 17 second, uh, video that we talked, that we talked about on the way in. Hey, let's just actually, well, let's show it again or let you hear it for those that are, this is literally, if you're listening to just the podcast, come check out the live stream. And like, I want you to notice this says nothing other than I'm an entrepreneur, right? So let's, let's sample it. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm an entrepreneur. Okay, so all that said was I'm an entrepreneur. For those of you that are just listening, you didn't see the part where it says from the creators of the Startup Hustle podcast, a new web series about entrepreneurship. Okay, by the way, that promo out of the three that we made went miles further when it came to engagement because it grabs you right away. 
it immediately and you can't see if you if you're just listening you know go to our youtube channel and check it out but it says across the screen i'm an entrepreneur i'm an entrepreneur i'm an entrepreneur so look if you're an entrepreneur you're probably either going to see that or hear that and stick around for three seconds or longer and actually see what's next so you know with the way that people are paying attention and changing we talk about having the encore last do we do we need to begin to also have that first like well, it's one thing it's one thing when you're in a concert and they're already there and they paid to get there but what about just the general public how do i grab your attention one thing that's interesting in that video that you just showed is you could have easily flipped the order but it would have had a way different like impact and people may not have stuck around if it started with from the creators of startup hustle podcast a new series and then it went into i'm an entrepreneur you may not have captured people in that first few seconds mm -mm. but i know, you know you're, right 14 seconds of just i'm an entrepreneur being repeated over and over again allows your audience to start to identify with the different people in it because what are you saying in your head are you either saying i'm an entrepreneur or i am not an entrepreneur and if the answer is I am an entrepreneur, you're intrigued enough to keep watching for a few more seconds to see where is this going? Now, to your point earlier or to your question a minute ago about like, does the encore go first or last? I think that brings up a good like analogy here that I like to use, which is if you think about like your pitch, for example, um, I, I often say, think about it in the construct of a song. And most songs have four components. They have the beat, the bridge, the hook, and the verses. Now, if you think about like any song that you like, or just when you think of a song in particular, the first thing you do, what do you do? You start tapping your foot, you start nodding your head, you start humming the beat, right? The beat is the first thing that you think about. Then you start to think about the words but not necessarily like just any words. You think about the words that get repeated over and over again, which is your hook. So in business speak, in startup speak, what's the beat? The beat in a world where they may not even know you exist yet, the first thing they're going to start humming in their head, the thing they're already humming in your head before you're even in the room is some pain, some challenge they're experiencing, some problem about a particular subject. The hook is your company. So if you can start, if you can drop the beat in the right way, then you can introduce the hook, AKA your company, how you help, what you provide and get them to then be quote unquote, like singing your tune for, you know, coming out of that interaction, coming out of that video, coming out of that, that pitch, whatever it might be. Yeah. So my book editor, I, I've written three books. And I've used the same editor. His name's Patrick Price. Um, and, you know, one thing that Patrick really beat in my head was you have to lead with the need. And if you're watching the evening news, they'll say if it bleeds, it should lead. Hmm. Um, just because people like to watch train wrecks. Now, as far as like solving that problem. So, you know, that's and, you know, still in Congress with what we we're talking about, the most successful ad campaign we've ever done for this podcast was just the startup hustle logo and it said a podcast for entrepreneurs wow and it was just that simple man and it and i have yet to actually have anything that's come remotely close to that delivery 
Um, and we've tried, trust me, we've yeah. tried, but you get right to that point and that's the whole, that's the whole ad. So, you know, you, now we're talking about a couple different things here without really identifying it. There's advertising and promo. And then we're also kind of alluding to like, when you enter the room, that could be a pitch that could be something different. And these are different things, what your end user wants and what your investor wants to hear are usually different. Now, the investor wants to hear about the problem that you're solving for the startups or the, the whether you're B2B, B2C, whatever, you know, any, anything that's worth a shit solves a problem, which by the way, I'm still confused why Snapchat is successful based on that criteria. <laughs> I'm being serious. That's like my out, one of the outliers that I have a, a, a problem like struggling with. And maybe that's just an entertainment play. You kind of see the point. It's like, what was the real true need for turning ourselves into looking like a cat or a man or a woman <laughs> or something? Now that said, I mean, maybe it was a need for entertainment and I don't know, but for overall, use you, your product service or whatever you do should be solving some kind of problem. And that is almost always the need. Now, as I, as I've evolved with my own messaging and trying to get this stuff out into the world, I, it's changed for me because, uh, you know, I'm also the founder, the founder of Gigabook and with Gigabook that's appointment scheduling and it creates efficiency. You know, you get it there. I have a hundred competitors at that. Mm -hmm. So the thing was, is at first I, I was kind of focused on the feature. Oh, you take appointments online. You can collect an invoice. How about unchain yourself from your business? Hmm. Because that approach, once again, miles ahead of everything else, because it directly appealed to the feeling and the sentiment that the users had. They're like, I'm up sending text messages at midnight and I'm missing calls because I'm providing services for other clients and I haven't grown to the point where I, you know, do I really need someone to do this? So that kind of the one thing that for those of you listening, I don't want you to underestimate the value of peace of mind. Cause so that really in the, really in the end, that was, that was the thing that people found most valuable about the service more so than anything else that you could list in a features column. Well, and the way you have to think about it too is like, how much can so how much information can someone take in at one time? A lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of startup teams, oh, just they overwhelm by saying it can do this and it can do this and it can do this. And I, I don't love using Uber as an example, but for this reason, I'll use it. Where you're just like, you know, when Uber first came out, it was literally just like get a ride, <laughs> right? It didn't have eats. It didn't have pool, didn't have XL, it didn't have chopper, right? It was just like, it was just get a ride, right? It was, and it was as simple as that. And then once people became familiar with that concept, then they started adding feature by feature in a really intentional way. But it wasn't like, hey, we're going to tell you everything up front. And then you decide which, which one speaks best to you. It was like, let's just come out with one thing, do that well only focus on talking about that. And then we can roll out things later on. I do also want to hit on with what you just said there, unchain, what was it? Unchain yourself from your business? Yeah. Or something along those lines, you know, I mean, really unchain yourself un unchain yourself from your business. So that actually fits really well with this formula. I discovered a few years back um, on creating slogans or taglines. And it, I, I stumbled into it 
with uh, the first version of my podcast. So my podcast used to be called Discover Your Inner Awesome when it was part of a different company, my first company. And when it was called Discover Your Inner Awesome, whenever I would tell people the name of the show, they would like get it right away. And they'd, they'd rather respond favorably or they would respond with like kind of a little bit of distaste. Like, favorite, like, they'd be like, oh, like, is that like personal development stuff? Yeah, I'm really into that. Like, where can I listen? Or I'd get, eh, is that like personal development? Eh, I'm not really into that. But there was no like middle ground. It was always like, I like that or I don't like that, which was great. And we didn't really have to like explain much beyond that. And again, we like accidentally came up with that name. But then... I started to look at, wait, this is showing up in a lot of other places as like the formula for how world leading companies are creating their slogans. And then I ended up writing in 2016 an article sort of like, a, I don't know if you want to call it controversial, but I, I, I was concerned, let's say, around late 2015, as we were entering that, 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 that presidential election, when I saw, oh my gosh, guess who's using this formula too? And I was like, I think he might win based on this formula. <laughs> and the formula is your tagline starts with an action verb combined with an audience aspiration. So in our case, it was discover. There's the verb. Your inner awesome is the aspiration. Um, if you look at other like world leading brands, masterclass, learn from the world's best. Um, we work hustle or no, sorry, it's, it, do what you love. Right. And then in the case of Donald Trump in 2016, make America great again. And that means a lot of things to a lot of different people. But when I look at like, Hey, how did that help his campaign so much? Cause it galvanized people around a specific belief. It created the audience out of the gate and it, refuted people immediately who weren't going to be on board with that. So it like, it, it like, it draws the line in the sand right away. There's no middle ground really. And in your case, unchain yourself from your business action verb combined with the aspiration of an audience. Another one, United airlines fly the friendly skies, although they kind of beat up their uh, people who, who fly on their flight. Uh, so maybe they're not so friendly. They're friendly on the ground or they're not friendly on the ground, but they are friendly in the skies. Uh, right. But these are the different, um, different like world leading brands who follow the same formula of action verb combined with audience aspiration. And I believe the reason that it works so well is because you are forced to inherently ask yourself, do I want this? Yes or no. Do I want to fly the friendly skies? Do I want to learn from the world's best? Do I want to unchain myself from my business? Right. These are all the different, these are all the questions that you ask yourself when you see those. And Conversely, it has to be like in an active state, right? Action verb. It can't be like learning from the world's best because now it's passive. I can't ask myself that question anymore. You know, it's it's funny you mentioned Masterclass because I have been watching Masterclass and I have some notes from the advertising guys that did Got Milk and I can't remember what their names are. Now, before I share those notes with you, just a quick reminder that taking care of employees has never been more important. And for years, Gusto has been helping more than 100,000 small business owners run payroll, 
offer benefits, onboard new employees and more. And they call it the people platform. Well, there's your tagline, the people platform. <laughs> and so it doesn't just look nice, it actually works. So your payroll taxes are filed, which is a pain in the butt if you've ever tried to do them on your own. Deductions are calculated, your team gets paid, you can even offer health insurance and 401ks. You get three months free after your first payroll when you go to gusto.com forward slash startup hustle. That's right, gusto.com forward slash startup hustle. Hey, three months free is great. So, uh, you know, I, I was mentioning the masterclass. And so they have the, the two guys, the ad guys that did, uh, they, they, they were the creators of Got Milk and they've done a whole lot more than that. But they had a few things that I, so I'll, I'll watch these and I'll use my iPhone and just put little notes in there. Mm -hmm. So I have under advertising, you talk about making things that aren't advertising. And the, you get a high level of response to that these days. I mean, you look at Instagram and all the different things that people reply to. It's not a typical ad, you know, and like I, I posted a, a picture in the Startup Hustle chat and come join us there, folks, of the studio that we're setting up for Startup Hustle TV and have like 80 some people like it in a day, which, by the way, is kind of a lot. I mean, you know, considering that there's 1500 people in the whole room, I mean, that's a pretty high engagement. Um, it's also talking about, you know, some of the other things they have when it comes to your messaging are, you know, understanding that people aren't the same. And we alluded to that in the beginning of the episode, um, you know, using your environment, uh, be alert for ideas and inspiration. And that comes from, in my opinion, it comes from talking to people that either use your product or, your, or are interested in your startup. Um, and, you know, they, they also are real big on the instant gratification. And I think that's where we're going with the short messaging. You know, you talk about, you know, it, well, with Gusto, it was the people platform. You know, that's and another thing that worked for us at Gigabook was your online assistant. Because that's what it was. And it makes it pretty easy to conceptualize or understand uh, the problem. But that instant gratification thing is, is more and more important than ever, just because you have such a brief amount of time to communicate with people. So I want to be a little more specific now as sure. we, as we kind of move into the, to the last half of, of what we're working on here. And let's talk about the actual pitch. Like yeah. let's be hyper-focused on the pitch to investors. Cause I think that's where so many people struggle and, you know, there's a lot of ways you can struggle doing that. But let, first off, how, how how do you work to help? Because, well, let me back up. So Jessica Powell, who works for, at Full Scale and Startup Hustle, um, has used your services in the past to help uh, startups get pitch ready. So where, where does that, what does that look like and where does that start? Great question. I always say your starting point should be your elevator pitch. And that's true, whether you're just getting started, whether you're raising your first round of capital or you've scaled up, you should always know what is that 30 to 60 second version of your company sound like. And the reason is because your elevator pitch is not just that insular, like, hey, here's what I say when someone asks, what do, I, what do we do? It has so much use beyond that because all your messaging should ultimately be funneling back to whatever is promised in the elevator pitch. So it really serves as that foundation, that bedrock material that every other piece of messaging builds on top of. A pitch deck is really just in expanding on whatever was said in the elevator pitch. So that's why I'm always, you know, whenever a startup comes to me, 
and they're like, we want to work on our pitch deck. I'm like, okay, great. But let's first work on the elevator pitch. And so my formula for that, people watching, people listening, take notes here, um, is very simple, but it's very powerful and it works nearly every time. And I call it que pasa. Now, Matt, if you know Spanish, do you know what que pasa means? Isn't that what's happening? Exactly. What's up? What's Did I get happening? it right? Yeah. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> you know, colloquially, colloquially, it's literally you're, you're asking someone what's up. And so when you think about your elevator pitch, that's what you got to do is just tell people what's up with the business. Que pasa, acronym P-A-S-A. Problem, approach, solution, action. Problem, approach, solution, action. Problem, approach, solution, action. The reason why that works really well is because you are starting off by providing context and frame of reference for why you should exist. Moreover, you are leading with empathy. You're saying, I understand the way things are today. I get it. It sucks. That's why my company has chosen to do something about this. And here's what we offer. And that formula is designed to be delivered in 60 seconds or less. And it works really well to your end users. And it works really well to uh, your investors as well. You will, it will always be audience dependent. So if you've got a marketplace company, your K-Pasa is going to be different to your users versus your like, providers on the marketplace. And then your investors as well. But... What I see, get, I see a lot of entrepreneurs get wrong. They think, oh, I'm, I'm pitching an investor here. So that means I need to talk in a certain way. I need to talk big or something like that. And, and, and they'll, they'll end up talking to the investor. You know, and I've seen this happen at like networking events where investors are like, oh, okay, cool. Tell me about your company. And they're like, yeah, so we're disrupting a $46 billion healthcare market by doing X, Y, and Z. And it's like, next, right? Everyone's disrupting something. And especially if you're just getting started, the only thing you've disrupted is your own bank account and your wallet and your ability to eat, get, get guacamole on your burrito at Chipotle. <laughs> so you haven't disrupted anything yet. And this whole idea of like, oh, lead with market size. You know what? If you're already talking to someone who can give you money, market size is table stakes. You don't have to open with, we are disrupting a $46 billion market. It should be assumed that you're entering a big market that's on the rise and not a declining market that's small. So you can even use that consumer facing or that customer facing value proposition, that K-Pasa elevator pitch to your investors. You just speak about it more in like a third person tone instead of a direct tone. And then you can add some information on the back end that an investor would care about related to your company, like some traction measures, some traction metrics, um, like, you know, is there, an, is there an interesting new development in the industry, something that indicates a trend is going in a certain direction? So I can give you an example of what one of these would sound like, if that would be helpful. Please. Um, one of my all-time favorite ones is a company called FanFood, who actually Jessica Powell I know is familiar with. They are based here in Chicago. And initially, their elevator pitch, it, it, it sounded something like, okay, so Fan Food is a live event mobile concessions app. 
where the value add to the stadium is more per cap revenue and the value add to the fan is faster food in your hands quickly. And it was like very blah. <laughs> what we changed it to using the K Pasa model was as a diehard sports fan, there's nothing more frustrating than going to your favorite team's game and missing the big play because you were stuck waiting in line for a hot dog and beer. Fan food keeps you in the moment. Use the mobile ordering app and get your concessions delivered directly to your seat so you never miss a big play again. Download fan food in the app store today. See, that can get my attention. And if you're a sports fan, you start to think about when that's happened to you, right? Like Carson, the CEO of fan food, he, I was with him once and he was giving that pitch and someone stopped him mid-sentence to tell him the game they were at and the play they missed. And this guy was like, oh my God, that's me. That's me. The Odell Beckham catch that happened to me, like the greatest catch in NFL history. I had like spent like a thousand dollars on my end zone seat, but I had to watch it happen on that tiny TV above the line to get beer from. It was so mad, right? you're able to empathize with their situation so well that they visualize themselves. They visualize it happening to them as you narrate it back. And that was like a 15 second delivery. I want to point that out. That was like at (laughs) best. And I think that's one of the things that, that people do. And, you know, part of what full scale does and full scales, the parent company for startup hustle. And and we've invested over a million dollars in different startups over the last year and a half. And I know that's not huge, but it's still not nothing. And I've had a lot of people pitch us on a lot of different things. And, you know, I think that the pitch deck and the pitch and all of that is, is remarkably overthought on in many, in many parts. Like I see people that are like, well, I want my deck to not be more than 10, 10 slides. So they cram everything they can onto those 10 <laughs> slides, you know, and it's like, shit, you know, and remember, you don't make the deal in the pitch deck, right? Pitch deck's just there to get someone's attention. It's like, uh, you know, it's, I've had people tell me, uh, you say, well, what have you done to try to promote or, or hype or advertise or do anything for your business? I said, well, we tried CPC ads, but they didn't work. And I said, well, tell me why the, what didn't work. Oh, well, we got a whole bunch of clicks, but no one bought anything. That's not the CPC's fault. That's mm-hmm. not Google's fault. That's not Facebook's fault. That's your fault. Because wherever you're getting, the, the, the ad's job was to get clicks and it got <laughs> clicks, but then wherever they landed didn't do shit. So that's a different problem. You're not examining the right solution. And some of that, like you said, is the messaging. And you talk about those landing pages that are like, you know, the, the modern touchscreen integration, blah, 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 too many words rather than easy to use. Right. <laughs> no learning, no learning curve. Yeah. You know, just stuff like that is, is going to get my attention more. And, and, you know, we, we were talked about music and entertainment earlier. So I, I spent years in the music business and uh, more specifically in musical instruments. And I was a sales trainer. So I, I, you know, I did manage a, a portion of of like 14 different retail stores and I'd go around and train people how to sell and I'd listen to someone talk and a housewife would come in wanting to buy a keyboard for her kid and you know here's a guy that's a professional keyboardist in a halfway successful band 
overloading, like, you know, using industry terms and jargon and things that no one understood, but him. And, you know, I'd go over and be like, you know, you, you were talking way over that buyer's head. <laughs> well, what do you mean? I was just talking about what I know. And I said, yeah, but that's that, that lady's just trying to get her five-year-old to take piano lessons. She doesn't care about the portability and the transferability and the live quality sound. That's like, she's just trying to get this five-year-old to not quit piano lessons. And, you know, the thing is, is you get your eyes begin to glaze over when someone's giving you, people don't buy things that they don't understand or they find confusing. And it's the same thing with investors. And, you know, here, here we are in the Midwest and we're going to include Chicago in this swath. The Midwestern investor is different than the coastal investor in many regards. And well, yeah, you get just, Snapchat yeah. out of the coast and we don't, people don't know why. <laughs> well, right. Like I'm still trying to figure out why, and it's a billion dollar company. So, you know, the thing is though, is, is trying to help anyone that's listening to your message, understand it in the least amount of time with the fewest amount of words. And there's power words too. And I was talking about this earlier. It's like, you're not cheap, you're affordable. And there's a big difference. If I ask you to tell me what to describe cheap, you'd say flimsy, junk, breaks easily, not durable. Now, if I ask you to describe affordable, mm. you're going to give me a completely different answer. And that's back to that fact shaping mentality of where your messaging does matter and where you can create hype or not create hype, you know, and that's the... You know, you get a very, very finite amount of space and time, especially when you're talking about the pitch. So these are usually type A individuals. They hear a lot of pitches. And if you don't grab that attention, if you don't lead with that need, then you they're not paying attention anymore. That idea of fact shaping coming back to the pitch itself and, the, and then the pitch deck, that goes a long way in the deck. Um, one of the things I'll often when I'm working on pitch decks for these startups, I will talk to them about how your slide headers should really be dictating the story. <clears throat> and theoretically, someone should be able to just only read your slide headers and get a pretty good idea of what your company is about and, and where it's headed. And when I say that, what I mean is there's a difference between titling a slide, let's call it, uh, revenue or, or, or financials, right? Financial model versus titling that slide. We are literally taking customers away from our competitors and then showcasing that on the slide, right? You can take the exact same information you were going to show, but frame it in a certain way, frame it in the way you want them to perceive the information that's being delivered on that slide. Because once it's been framed in a certain way, that's a person's starting point. And it's a lot harder to back them off of that starting point if that's the initial thought that's been planted. If your slide just says problem, if your slide just says solution, if your slide just says team or financials, you've just created like a blank canvas starting point for the audience, for the investor for them to decide what's the conclusion they want to have about you. But if you create the conclusions for them, again, now they've got a particular narrative that they have to decide off of, as opposed to creating their own narrative for you. And one thing you have to do when you're pitching is control the narrative. 
Yeah, I talk about that a lot as well. And just like that. So and by the way, I, I've noticed in the notes here that you're an advocate of making rap music videos to grow your brand awareness. I've done that. <laughs> yes. I've done that too. Nice. Yeah. And, and and I did it for Gigabook. I actually hired a guy. He did four different videos. And and the thing is, is actually that I could still like, I could probably wrap them because, you know, gigabook.com is here to add efficient to your efficiency to your business through automated tasks, nice. you know, and just like, you know, going through, going through all that, but you know, you talk about the narrative. So I'm actually a big fan of the pitch one doing a pitch video. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like a one minute video. But you will get me to watch that 100% of the time. Yeah. Uh, your pitch deck, you can lose me really quickly. And you talk about there's so much that can be left to interpretation. There's things that can really go off track, things that can be misunderstood. You know, a one the, the idea of the pitch deck or the one pager slash executive summary, because they're similar, maybe not the whole way. Like, I don't want to see your 60 page business plan. Right. Do you? Do you want that to be the first thing I deliver? That's boring. And you're going to, and no one's going to read it because people are too busy for that. They don't care. They don't want to read that crap, you know? And I'm not saying that it's total crap, but to them it is because you're like, what am I supposed to do with this? So you talk about like a one pager or something snappy and, you know, being able to, when, and so I, I've done this just to improve our business and this is outside of creating hype, but in our sales and presentation process, I've created six different videos at full scale that answer echoey questions. Like everybody asks the same questions over and over. So you start hearing this echo and you can do the same thing with investors. So if you give a number of pitches and you hear, and this is where you have to not be stubborn. Because I see a lot of founder stubbornness too. They're like, God, they just don't get it. I'm like, it sounds to me like seven people are telling you exactly what you're not doing right. And you're the problem, not them. And I'm sure you've run into that a lot. Yeah. Well, I mean, you see it a lot on Shark Tank where like, say they don't get the deal. And then in their little post interview, they'll be like, yeah, they just really couldn't see the vision. And I'm always like, is it that they couldn't see it or that you couldn't deliver the vision? And yeah, you're right with these, with these questions, I always recommend like keep a running FAQ. When you start to hear questions come up more than once, two, three times, just Google doc, open up a Google doc, write down yep. that question and then take some time and sit down and write out what is my answer to that question and think about how you can frame that response as its own mini story itself. So that way, and, you know, and then you can even, you can start testing it too, because you're going to get the question again and you can refine your responses over time. But that's, you know, that shows preparedness. And, and I think the idea of the pitch is not just the elevator pitch. It's not just the pitch deck, but it continues into that Q and A session. It continues into telling, you know, being able to talk about in a future discussion, what is your own background, right? These are all things that are a part of the larger concept of pitching and, all, ultimately, all of it comes down to communication. In the world of literature, and that's where I really wrapped my arms around the echo concept, because once again, my editor was like, you sound echoey. You're saying the same thing over and over again, or you're using the same words, phrases, or just syntax, you know, saying that said, comma. <laughs> And you say that enough, it becomes very echoey. But I, I kind of, you know, as I've turned that into like listening to what the echo is. So, for example, the echo, 
Um, if you know it's going to be there and people are going to ask those same five questions, get them out of the way, knock them out. And it, it really, it, it provides a level of clarity and removes that kind of haze of confusion. Now, yeah. speaking of echoes, one thing that's an echo in your business is payroll. And you're going to have to keep paying people over and over again. So look, paydays are great, but running payroll, calculating taxes, deductions, compliance, that is not simple and easy unless you have Gusto. Remember, that's a people platform. So Gusto is simple online payroll and benefits built for your small businesses. Gusto automatically files your payroll taxes, directly deposits your team's pay. Plus, you can offer all kinds of benefits, 401k, health insurance, workers' comp, and more. And because you're a Startup Hustle listener, you can get three months free once you run your first payroll. You go to gusto.com forward slash Startup Hustle. Once again, that's gusto.com forward slash Startup Hustle. There's a link in the show notes, as there is also a link in the show notes to Startup Hype Man. So here with that final ad read, we're getting near the end of this show. And I end my shows with the, with the Founders Freestyle. <coughs> now... I'm going to expand this a little bit because I know you're a wrestling fan. So we'll kind of like, we'll go into that overtime, sudden death, like battle royale. Because don't confuse being a startup owner as anything other than that. Throw me in a ring with 14 other people. The last one in gets the belt, like the belt mm -hmm. you've got back there. That it, I'm going to trust that you came off the top rope to earn that. So oh, now, of course, with the elbow drop. Yeah. Now, now, one of the things that's funny, because you mentioned like, like uh, uh, wrestling and, and all this, dude, no one is, no one does hype better than pro wrestling, of course. probably. And of it's always course. over the top. Now, one of the things is if, and you talk about acting like a pop star or a rapper or a wrestler, you can't be, okay. Woo! Who is that? <laughs> Ric Flair. Of course. All right. So look. That's a tagline right there with a woo. And you know, yeah. and and then you have another guy like who was the the Miz. I am, I am awesome. awesome. <laughs> but now there's a thing. I know who that dude is, partially because he sat in front of me once at an Indiana Pacers game, because I was a season ticket holder in the second row, not the first row. For whatever reason, the house seats were right in front of mine. So I had all kinds of interesting people. I've actually got a weird picture of him being interviewed with me being the weird guy behind him, kind of like looking at him. But, <laughs> but, what, but one of the things that's important when it comes to creating hype, and especially in your pitch, is you have to walk in there like your Ric Flair. You have to be, well, he's the nature boy, right? Mm -hmm. I really don't even watch wrestling. I haven't since I was like probably like, 15 when well, I watched it occasionally and we used sure. to go when it would come in town because it was always a great time but you talk about creating hype you have to be able to go in and tell someone why you are awesome because if you walk in you're like well I might we might be awesome come on one come day on. if we're good enough right one yeah. day with your money and a little bit of luck and maybe some favorable shit we could be awesome that's not really the right way to give a pitch, is it? No, you like, and that's why I always say, like, I don't care if you're at like prototype stage right now. Pitch this as if it is five years from now. 
right? Like deliver the the vision for what this thing is supposed to be because that's what investors are buying into. They're not buying into your prototype. They're buying into the impact you're supposed to be creating. And the more you can speak about, you know, you, you can always like backfill by, you know, towards the latter half, somewhere in the slides being like, here's where we are on our timeline. But don't talk about this thing as, hey, we're this prototype and hopefully one day we can get to success of some kind. Talk about it as if you already have that success, as if you already have the bells and whistles, right? It is five years, 10 years from today. This is our company. This is the industry. This is what we're doing. And then later on, you can say, and here's where we are on that journey towards being that brand. And that idea of being the pro wrestler, right? Um, the parallel I always like to draw is that every startup is a wrestler because what is a pro wrestler? A pro wrestler is an individual brand. And the pro wrestler's job, and we know it's scripted, right? That's not hidden. But in that script, the pro wrestler's job is to talk and wrestle in a way where if you're a good guy, it's cheer me. And if you're a bad guy, it's boo me. Boom. Either yep. way, come back to that idea of the entertainer. It is elicit the desired emotional response from the audience. And you know the wrestlers who get fired because they can't hack it? It's not that they were bad wrestlers. It's not that they didn't have the right technical acumen. Right? It's not that their product was bad, quote unquote. They it's that couldn't they couldn't throw hype. Exactly. They could not draw. They got a flat response from the audience. They could not elicit that reaction. So in that same way, that's what you've got to be doing. You can have the best product, but if you can't elicit the response and the reaction, it's not going to matter. Yeah. And you know, that same thing. And, you know, we've talked about music and entertainment, and these are things that elicit emotional responses from people like, and, you know, and, and that's the same thing. That's the same reason that kittens and babies get such a high engagement. <laughs> when you see an image, right? It is. And just in life changing events, because it's like a wedding or even a funeral or things like that. That's why so many people are drawn to engage because they can, that's back to that empathy. And, you know, so, but, that, but, you know, part of what we're talking about with the, the hype side of things is I want to see people. All right. So we're coming up on the 500th episode of Startup Hustle. And for those Ooh. of you, especially Stephen Ford, our Penco guy who has listened to every single one. Yes. If you've listened to every episode of Startup Hustle, we want to know, by the way, we want to know coming into episode 500. So let us know, because you may get one of those heavyweight champion belts like like Raj has behind him. Um, and you really might. So, so, so you're talking about, uh, you know, invoking uh, this emotional response, things that put hooks into people. And it's it, people want to buy things from people that they feel like are just them. Now, I mentioned 500 episodes of Startup Hustle. And where does that go? I have asked a ton of investors do you bet on the jockey or the horse and they overwhelmingly if 100 said the jockey and that's because people that know how to win you can tell you can tell if you put me in a room what you make me listen to 100 pitches at the end of it i can tell you 10 people that i think whether they're going to win on this one or another one they're eventually going to win and yeah. that's back to that now, now, look, you mentioned the good guy and the bad guy of professional wrestling. You don't want to come out of your startup pitch getting booed. 
Right. So you do have to kind of draw that, draw that balance between I am awesome and I'm the heavyweight champion of the world. Cause that's, Hey, so, you know, but, but you do need to be prepared to talk about why your business is awesome, why your solution is awesome, why your approach is awesome, why your plan of action is awesome, why your team is awesome, why your industry is awesome, all of it. Yeah. Well, I and if you look awesome. at, look at like the, the kind of the most popular wrestling storylines over time, you take Stone Cold Steve Austin in the late nineties. What was that whole storyline predicated on? The boss is trying to screw Stone Cold Steve Austin over, and he says, no, F the boss. I'm going to fly middle fingers in his face, and I'm going to do everything possible to make that boss's life living hell. So Relatable. even in that wrestling storyline, which, yeah, all these people could relate to, oh, my gosh, I hate my boss, too. I wish, like, Stone Cold was acting out what the things people wish they could do to their boss, like, in real life. And I bring that up because what did we talk about a while ago in this discussion? The importance, like what you called it, lead with the need, right? This idea that I call K-Pasa, where you start with the problem. Even these wrestling storylines, they are they are all predicated on some core problem that, in your case, if you're the hero, you're the good guy, that the hero, the good guy, is trying to overcome, right? Even in Stone Cold's case, even though he was like the badass character, his thing was... I need to get like, like the boss is trying to hold me back. I need to beat the boss. Well, the boss is hard to beat sometimes. So, um, and speaking of hype, here's a, here's a few comments. Uh, uh, well, Jeff, Jeffrey Simpson's talking and mentioned that the promo video looks great. You said, I like it. Um, you got someone else saying hi to Carson, uh, and fan food. Um, a little hype goes a long way coming in from the business bros out in San Diego. And as we mentioned earlier, Jessica Powell, hype it up, guys. Now, I, I, I can talk about hype all day. Unfortunately, we don't have all day. Now, I didn't mention earlier that I do end my episodes of Startup Hustle. And I say my episodes, because I'm not the only host of Startup Hustle. So make sure you find a little time and listen to the weekly episode from Innovate Her founder, Lauren Conaway, or our e-commerce and Amazon expert, Andrew Morgans. Those come out on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Uh, we will be returning to some good old OG Matt and Matt episodes as we are going to have a 52-part series in 2021. That's right, 52 parts on how to start a tech company. We're going to be real honest because people, it ain't easy. So with the founders freestyle, I'm going to ask you, well, you said you, well, I'm not going to ask you to rap, but you did say you like to make a good rap promo video. So if you want to rap, that's up to you, but what's the best advice you could give to a founder when it comes to creating hype and just delivering the message overall? Audience over everything. I don't care about you care about what matters to your audience. I think that's strong. Yeah. And, and once again, now I think that I'm going to parlay off of that. We'll, we'll tag team. We're talking about wrestling. Sure. So I'm tagging, I'm tagging in and I'm tag the guy in. that comes, I'm going to come in. I, I'm getting the three count. Now, if you want to <laughs> get that three count and you want it, you want to pin the bad guy or win the belt. The, 
knowing the audience and who you're delivering to is a key element of that. You're going to have a different approach for different people. The message that you're delivering to an investor is different than a user or a client. Uh, investors want to know what's in it for me. So do clients, by the way. They want to know what's in it for them, but you have to be able to explain the problem you're solving and why you're the right people to solve it. Don't be afraid to stand on the top rope and yell, I am awesome in a tasteful way. Now, you, I'm telling you, I, I could see that approach actually working in some regards. I mean, if I had to go in and give a pitch at this point uh, for a new startup, I'd say, look, I have a long history of successful entrepreneurial ventures. Does that mean that I have all the answers? No, it doesn't. But it means that I have a lot of experience finding solutions. And that will result in us getting to where we need to be faster, cheaper, and probably better in the end. That is an example of I am awesome without being, hey, I'm awesome, because yeah. that's a different <laughs> approach. But you have to be ready to tell people what's good about you. And at the same time, I, I, don't, I think you can and should also be prepared to say what you're not awesome at. Because you're talking on an investor side, you're talking to sophisticated people. They hear it all day. Why ever? I'm awesome. I'm awesome. I'm awesome. You could say, well, one of the things that we're not great at and that we hope to improve at is this, this, and this. And that's part of why we need additional capital. We plan on failing fast and getting to solutions mm. faster. This is okay. This is okay. It's okay to admit why you're not great and what your plan is for fixing it. And it, when it comes to users or clients or, or anyone, remember, they only care about the benefits. And that's defined as what, what does what you're doing do for that person? How do they benefit? How do they win? Where do they come out on top? Like, and it's not always super tangible. It's okay. Sell more, spend less is a good place to start. And if you go past that, you look into peace of mind, convenience, and a whole lot of other stuff. So I've even outkicked my coverage, man. My lights are, are not shining on me anymore. Uh, <laughs> speaking of which, if you want to come check out the live stream, we've been recording all of our episodes. Uh, you can watch them live while they occur on the Startup Hustle Facebook page, our YouTube channel, uh, and then go back to YouTube Then the same day that the podcast is published that said man i gotta bounce so i'll see you next time raj thanks for having me i appreciate it yep startup hustles brought to you by fullscale.io helping you build a software team quickly and affordably make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button then come find us on instagram see you next time We do it.